This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Parts of Metro Vancouver are underwater tonight as a powerful storm brings heavy rain to the south coast. It's wreaking havoc, causing a number of problems. Our Sarah McDonald is live in Burnaby Forest tonight. That's just one of the areas where flooding is really having an impact. It has all day, Sarah. Well, and Sophie, as you can see, the road here is more like a lake at the moment. And scenes like this are playing out right across the lower mainland this evening. This rain obviously still falling tonight, still causing that localized flooding and expected to keep doing so well into the weekend. Localized flooding in some areas so severe Thursday, roads were transformed into waterways. These misplaced marine mammals likely the only ones comfortable in the extreme weather conditions, now battering the south coast causing havoc for commuters from Metro Vancouver to the Fraser Valley. Never this bad. Do I have to get to work? I don't know how I'm going to get to work now. I'll see four-foot waves caused by cars going through. Transit riders not unaffected either. Tracks buried by mud and debris at this Vancouver SkyTrain station. TransLink shuttling customers by bus instead. Our primary purpose is to keep people moving. We do have some localized flooding in certain areas, and we expect more of that over the course of the weekend. So you'll see of some detours from time to time. Customers should give themselves some extra time. And we haven't seen the end of all this rain just yet. Some 90 millimeters of it expected to fall by Friday, sparking a rainfall warning in a region already deluged and drenched. I stepped in some pretty good puddles this morning. My feet have been wet all day. At higher elevations, that precipitation is falling and freezing. Snowfall warnings also in effect in parts of the province with a quarter meter of snow forecast for highways and mountains while even those tasked with keeping the public safe struggle to stay afloat. A few days ago, there's a three or four cars stuck in the same situation and people managed to get out, but obviously they got soaked and the cars are floating away. Officials now urging anyone venturing out in these conditions to take precautions, including pedestrians like this pair out soaking it all in. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. This is the Lord Mainline. It's wonderful. It's not minus 40. With a quintessentially wet West Coast weekend in the forecast and no relief in sight for days. And those precautions include advice like wearing bright clothing, even lights if you're out walking or cycling. We know that these dark and wet conditions can be exceptionally dangerous on the roads, which, guys, could mean a messy weekend ahead of us. And Christy will have the full forecast coming up. All right. In fact, she joins us now, meteorologist Christy Gordon, with a look at just how much rain we got and the wind warning for tomorrow. Christy. So if this is definitely the stormiest of the fall season, check out some of these numbers. 110 millimeters near Westwood Plateau, higher elevations, even downtown Vancouver, 77 millimeters. Now this is more than the storm we saw on Tuesday where we also had flooding, but incredible numbers, that's for sure. And now we're in for a windstorm. We'll see rain as well, but the winds could gust throughout the day up to 90 kilometers an hour all across the south coast, but that includes much of the lower mainland. 
plan. When I come back, we'll show you the timeline of when I expect those strongest winds, but it's definitely a concern. Power outages down trees. The ground is so incredibly saturated that we could see some major problems. And then after that, we've got a whole series of storms that are still on the way. A bit of a break Saturday morning, and then we're right back into the rain. All right, we'll get the details in a little bit. Thanks, Christy. Right now, there's growing concern tonight over the disappearance of a B.C. man who vanished in Colombia. SFU professor Ramazan Ramo Genshai was last seen in Medellin a week ago. Jill Bennett has more on his disappearance and why his family fears foul play. If you know that this is not zero, then you should put... Ramazan Genshai, also known as Ramo, is a Simon Fraser University economics professor. He was traveling in Colombia, scheduled to speak at a university there at the end of November. But he hasn't been seen or heard from since December 6th. According to news reports in Colombia, Genshai was seen on security camera footage around 10.30 p.m. that night with a group of people that has not been identified. There are also reports his credit cards were still being used in the days following his disappearance. According to family who are not speaking publicly at this time, Genshai was staying at the Bin Hotel in Medellin, in one of the nicer areas, and wanted to get to know the nearby neighborhoods. Genshai is well known for being a trail runner on the North Shore, as well as being very active in the local salsa dancing community. Other dancers have posted about his disappearance on social media, hoping to get more information about what has happened. They're also urging people to share that information to try and help police in Colombia investigate. Global Affairs and Canada has been contacted so by members of Genshai's family as they desperately wait to hear an update on his whereabouts. Jill Bennett, Global News. Dozens of bomb threats reported in major cities across Canada and the United States today, including Vancouver and Penticton. Penticton RCMP were called to three car dealerships this morning when the companies received threatening emails. They came from an unknown sender and demanded $20,000 in Bitcoin or a bomb would go off. Police evacuated the buildings and swept them with a bomb-sniffing dog. As this file was coming in, further reports of similar emails were also being received in uh, Vernon and Kamloops at vehicle dealerships there as well. And the wave of bomb threats extended to the U.S. Dozens of institutions, including schools and universities, receiving the email threats. Officials in New York, Georgia, Louisiana, Alaska, Idaho and Florida saying they believe all incidents to be unfounded. Vancouver police say there is no credible information that anyone is in danger. RCMP made a significant seizure of illicit drugs in Surrey. Mounties showing off their haul today, discovered in two storage units in the Newton area. It includes six kilos of methamphetamine, the equivalent of about 60,000 doses. And the barrels also there that you see are filled with 227 kilos of phenacetin, a painkiller that can be used to cut cocaine. Also, a large industrial pill press and other tools and equipment were located. Investigators believe it's all tied to the lower mainland gang conflict and with its size and scope likely supplied drugs beyond Surrey's borders. Well, B.C. Supreme Court today ordered illegal marijuana dispensaries in Vancouver to shut down. The decision upholds injunctions filed more than two years ago against 53 operators violating the rules. 
Jordan Armstrong is live in our newsroom right now with more on what this means. And Jordan, 28 of those stores are still open at this point. Chris, that's right. And the city's interpretation of today's ruling is they must close right away. Failure to do so could result in fines and eventually jail time. Any pot shop wanting to operate legally needs a development permit and retail licenses from both the province and the local municipality. City of Vancouver staff claim the 28 shops covered in this ruling have not taken any of those steps. 14 separate applications have come in since September, with the city recommending four to the province for final approval. But nearly two months after cannabis was legalized, not a single recreational pot store has opened in Vancouver. Why the delay? The city, very diplomatically, points the finger at the province. You'll also hear from Dana Larson. He operates two illegal dispensaries, and he explains why he doesn't just apply for licenses. But first, here's the city. I think it's unfair to place blame, um, but the new requirements do require a provincial license first before they can operate um, in the city of Vancouver. And so no one has a provincial license yet within the city of Vancouver. I appreciate those four now in the province's hands, but is there any estimate on when they could be up and running legally in Vancouver? Until they have a provincial license, which is out of our control, we don't know. We are in an industrial zone and the city ruled that no dispensaries are allowed to be in an industrial zone. The rules they put in make it impossible for the vast majority of dispensaries that are currently operating to get a permit. All right, Jordan, so we have the ruling. Is there a timeline for enforcing that ruling? There is not, Chris, at least not yet. The city says that's still up for discussion with police and the province. Dana Larson, who you just heard from, says he wants to appeal today's ruling to a higher court, so this could all drag on for a while. Chris? Sounds like it. Okay, thank you, Jordan. The Surrey SkyTrain project took another step toward becoming a reality today. The mayor's council voting to proceed with planning of the project, which would see a 16-kilometer expo line extension to Langley. But if the plan does stay on the rails, Ted Chernecki tells us why it may stop before its final destination. All those in favor? They finally voted to carry on, not with light rail transit, but with SkyTrain. It was contentious, the mayor of Surrey insisting it be a weighted vote, which gives larger members of Metro Vancouver more clout. They'll use that pre-approved $1.6 billion, formerly for LRT, to instead build SkyTrain East, as far as that money will take them. If we're only able to get that line to a, a certain point, whether that be Fleetwood or Clayton Heights or wherever, uh, really, uh, that's the work we need to do over the following year. We feel that the uh, line can be built um, from our city center to Langley for the $1.6 um, uh, billion. Um, we're still on that contention. At one point, Richmond's mayor insisting that because it is Surrey that's causing this sudden change, it should pay the $56 million already spent on LRT planning. We expect them to pay the, the costs that are wasted. In the end, Surrey agreed not to a cash payment, but an unidentified payment in kind. TransLink's going to need land for the SkyTrain, um, and so you, you go into negotiations with land. Some mayors argued that a SkyTrain extension that ends in Farmer Bob's field is not viable. It might only work if the line goes all the way to Langley, but the mayors can forget about going to the Premier with cap in hand, looking for another 
billion dollars. I care not about the technology. If Surrey wants to change to SkyTrain, that's fine, but they're going to get half as far as they would have with LRT. It'll take about 15 months to get the detailed engineering, financial, and projected ridership reports before construction begins. But the plan is to have the line to wherever built by 2025. Ted Chernacki, Global News. Right now, though, another report painting a troubling picture of just how much Metro Vancouverites are struggling under the weight of mounting debt. That's right. The Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation says people here are carrying more debt than they can handle. Nadia Stewart explains what's primarily to blame. Less than two weeks to go until Christmas and holiday shopping is in full swing. Question is, will people be spending more or less in 2018? This year, yeah. More. Definitely shrunk the budget. The cost of living and everything is just too much now, so everyone's getting something below. Metro Vancouverites might have yet another reason to rein in spending this Christmas. New numbers pointing to record debt levels. Vancouver has the highest level of debt to disposable income ratio in Canada at just over $2.40 of worth of debt for every dollar of disposable income. The debt-to-income ratio provides a snapshot of how much debt households in Canada are carrying. Add up monthly debt payments and divide them by monthly income. Nationally, that number averages 170%. But according to the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation, the DTI ratio in Vancouver and Toronto sits at 242 and 208%, respectively, near record levels. Two-thirds of all household debt is due to mortgage debts, so it almost follows that in centres where housing prices are elevated, um, consumers are forced to borrow money to enter the homeownership market. On the upside, Vancouver and Toronto both have the lowest delinquency rates. The concern is whether households here would be able to manage this load should interest rates rise. But even with the burden of debt, 1 in 10 Canadians say they will be spending more this holiday season. If anything, the ones that are in a more grinchy mood are Generation X and baby boomers. They're saying that even though they did better than they expected this year financially, they're not going to spend as much money on gifts in 2018. Some fighting the lure of holiday sales, staying in the black while still snagging those special gifts for those on the nice list this year. Nadia Stork, Global News. Dental care without insurance coverage? Sounds pretty good, right? Premier John Horgan revealing to Global BC he is not opposed to the idea. Our Keith Baldry joins us live with more on this. Certainly an attention grabber, Keith, but how realistic is it? Yeah, so the background here is the Premier yesterday on Facebook Live on Global went a little far, I think, in, in sort of uh, talking about the possibility of bringing in dental care as part of the, health, the free public health care system. Uh, today, sort, sort of not throwing cold water on the idea by any means, but also, I think, taking into context the fact that this is a very expensive proposition. It was going to take a, a number of years uh, to fulfill this if we ever get to that point. And the Premier, again, I think, sort of changing the language a bit today and exactly what he sees happening on this issue. Big deal to make a shift like this. Uh, I, I know that we've increased dental surgeries, for example, by 15% this year over last year, and we're going to do more next year. But the challenges of dental care and, and oral hygiene are, are family problems, and we need to make sure we're working on those. It's not going to be in the next budget, but we're working on it every single day. 
So let's be clear here, folks. Uh, it's not in the budget in the spring. I mean, that idea got a lot of attention on social media today. I doubt if it's going to be in the budget for uh, anytime soon, but it is possible we could see some sort of uh, trial program set up under an NDP administration. They are uh, committed, according to the health minister, Adrian Dix, to really sort of tackle the dental health care issue. But full coverage, I don't think that's going to happen in the near future. All right. We'll see what happens. Keith, thank you. As ski season ramps up, so does the housing crisis in Whistler. The municipality says it's doing everything it can to find people homes, but many find themselves living in trailers. And as Aaron MacArthur reports, two longtime residents are worried they won't even have that. It isn't much, but Paul Mitz is packing everything he owns, just in case. He's been living in this trailer parked on the grounds at the Whistler Tennis Club. As soon as it was put here, the owner wanted him gone. There is no place to live. Whistler's got over 1,000 people on the wait list. Like, I'm number 708. Judging by the number of campers parked around the village, there is an obvious need for housing. The municipality, though, has a bylaw against sleeping in cars on city land. This trailer, while not built for comfort, is an upgrade on the tent where Paul and his wife were living. He thought this trailer was his ticket to a roof over his head for the winter. Whistler's got to wake up. Get this housing thing going. Put the part-time modulars up. Uh, it's, yeah, it's worse than I've ever seen it in my life up here. Whistler Housing Authority has made progress on getting people into homes. New buildings are going up. And there are now nearly 2,000 rental units owned by the resort municipality. A recent survey indicated 80% of the workforce that keeps the resort operating actually lives in Whistler. I mean, we don't know the nature necessarily of the accommodations, but you know, that they're able to find housing within our municipal boundaries, which is really important for the communities. Paul now has until Friday to move his trailer, or it will be hauled away. And it isn't moving any other way. Once it goes, Paul says it's back to the campground or on the street. They say, oh, you can go to the shelters in Squamish or North Van. Whistler's my home. Aaron MacArthur, Global News, Whistler. A Powell River mother is desperately trying to get her son to BC Children's Hospital where he needs an MRI for a traumatic brain injury. But it's still unclear when he'll be moved. Catherine Urquhart is following this story for us, and she's got the details now. Catherine. Well, Chris, Sophie, since Sunday, 14-year-old Isaac has been under heavy sedation at Powell River General Hospital. His mother, Shauna Lambden-Bennett, says Isaac has severe autism, and about 10 days ago, his school placed him in a bathroom. He had a strong reaction and for several minutes banged his head against a wall. Doctors think he may have a slow brain bleed and he urgently needs care in Vancouver, but he's still waiting. We've had to have some hard discussions. Sure. Pre pre preparing ourselves for the fact that, you know, we may not be bringing him home the way we want to. Why the delays? Well, initially the family was told there wasn't a bed. Then the problem was transportation. BC Emergency Health Services told Global News they received a request to transfer this patient late Monday. And on Wednesday, a transfer plan by air ambulance was confirmed. The transfer was scheduled for this morning, but poor weather prevented the flight. 
And with more poor weather in the forecast, it's unclear when they'll be able to move Isaac. And for safety reasons, he can't be transported by ground. So for now, at least, Isaac remains in emergency in Powell River. All right, we'll hope for a break in the weather very soon. And he. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Get the treatment he needs. Thank you, Catherine. Early this morning in Edmonton during a bizarre bank robbery, the guards were delivering money to a bank when a person wearing a disguise used an explosive device to stun the employees, get in, and then steal cash. The suspect is still on the loose. The guards were taken to hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is under growing pressure tonight to take action against China in the international battle sparked by the arrest of a Chinese executive in Vancouver. Two Canadians have now been detained in China, apparent retaliation for the arrest of Huawei CFO Meng Wanzhou, who's now out on bail. We don't even know where he is. Costanza Muzu calls Michael Kovrig a close friend. She's very worried about his detainment in China. Today, China's foreign ministry says Kovrig, as well as fellow Canadian Michael Spavor, are being detained over national security concerns. In no capacity would he really have done anything of the sort that would endanger um, Chinese security. Chinese officials adding in that briefing the arrest of Huawei CFO Meng Wanzhou in Vancouver was a mistake, calling for her immediate release. As for the second detainee, Michael Spavor is originally from Calgary. The entrepreneur often travels to North Korea. On Facebook the day he was detained, Spavor posted he would be back in South Korea. That post now followed by a string of concerned comments. He connects people to the culture in North Korea and he gives you an opportunity. It opens up the window for people who are interested to understand it to go and do it. I, it, I don't get how that's a national security threat. Ottawa isn't telling Canadians not to go to China. The official travel advisory hasn't changed, warning people to exercise a high degree of caution. The mantra should be and must remain. We keep calm. We keep focused on the rule of law. Certainly it's one of the most serious uh, man-made crises I've ever seen in Canada-China relations. Former diplomat John Higginbotham says Canada could solve this by stepping in to stop Meng's extradition now. But government officials maintain the justice minister can't get involved until the judicial process is complete. And that can't even get underway with no official request yet from the United States. Abigail Beeman, Global News, Ottawa. French police say they've shot and killed the suspect in the shooting that killed three people at a Christmas market in Strasbourg. Bystanders applaud as a special police team returns from a shootout with 29-year-old Sharif Chakat, a career criminal who had become radicalized in prison. Police say Chakat opened fire as they closed in on them and police fired back, killing him. Caught on video, a heart-stopping backdraft explosion as firefighters battle a blaze in New York. Oh my God! Side tracks just exploded. 
It happened as a row of shops went up in flames in Queens as more than 160 firefighters battle the fire. An explosion collapses one of the buildings and firefighters disappear into a cloud of smoke and flames. At least 11 people, including seven firefighters, were hurt. But miraculously, all the injuries were minor. Donald Trump finally breaking his silence today after his former lawyer was sentenced to prison yesterday. Reports are now claiming Trump was in the room during a conversation with the National Enquirer over hush money. Five people. Tonight, President Trump is denying he ordered his former lawyer, Michael Cohen, to break the law. I never directed him to do anything wrong. Whatever he did, he did on his own. He's a lawyer. A lawyer who represents a client is supposed to do the right thing. That's why you pay them a lot of money. But prosecutors say President Trump, identified in court documents as Individual One, directed and coordinated hush money payments with Cohen to two women who claim they had sexual encounters with Mr. Trump. Claims he and his aides deny. And tonight, a person familiar with the matter tells NBC News in August 2015, candidate Trump was in the room when Cohen and National Enquirer publisher David Pecker discussed ways Pecker's company, AMI, could help quash negative stories about Mr. Trump's relationships with women. Prosecutors say AMI later wrote a check to Karen McDougal for her story, but never printed it, a practice known as catch and kill. Cohen was sentenced Wednesday to three years in prison for campaign finance violations, as well as tax and bank fraud. The president tonight arguing his mistake was ever hiring him. In retrospect, I made a mistake because what he did was all unrelated to me, except for the two campaign finance charges that are not criminal and shouldn't have been on there. They put that on to embarrass me. They put those two charges on to embarrass me. But President Trump also appeared to undercut his defense that Cohen was acting as his attorney. Title he did very low-level work. Why did he you did need more him? public relations than he did law, but he did stuff. You'd see him on television. He was okay on television. Tourists in Hawaii capture some vacation video they certainly weren't expecting as a military jet crashes into the Pacific Ocean. It happened off Oahu. Another angle captures the crash and the pilot floating down into the water after ejecting. A fishing boat races to the pilot who did survive but is in hospital with serious injuries. The flight was part of a military exercise. The pilot, a civilian with the Air National Guard. A Christmas miracle of sorts in West Virginia where two young women and one man were rescued from an abandoned mine. It was a joyous welcome for the three who spent four days in complete darkness before searchers finally found them. A fourth member of their group had found his way out or found his own way out and directed searchers to their location. We appreciate every one of you guys, all, all everybody. who was involved in searching for us, I just want to thank you with everything inside of me. Police now say they believe the four went into the mine to steal copper. No charges have been laid, but they are still investigating. In Health Matters tonight, a 10-year-old boy in Langley now has a life-saving device at his school thanks to Langley firefighters. Malachi Carr has health issues that make him prone to cardiac arrest. His school, Douglas Park Community School, couldn't afford an automated external defibrillator, so the Langley Firefighters Association raised more than $3,000 to buy one. I think that it's a lot safer for the school, and especially me. In the province of BC, it has been a challenge um, having AEDs placed into the public school system. 
um, not so much on the private side, but in the public, it has been a challenge. So this is a really good news story, very great, great opportunity to be into the public school systems with an AED here in the city of Langley. Malachi's mother says he's been pronounced dead and brought back by defibrillators five times. Next year, the Heart and Stroke Foundation will launch a campaign to lobby governments to put AEDs in all public gathering places, particularly in schools. Well, the Smith family of Virginia have outdone themselves this year. Every year they build a giant snowman and their previous record was 18 feet. But this year, with the help of some neighbors, Fluffy, as they've named him, stands 21 feet tall. Is that the top of the hat? I wonder, or the top of his head. <laughs> also, what's wrong with this picture? Plenty, according to New Jerseyans, who launched a protest petition. We'll tell you why after the forecast. Of course they did. <laughs> all right, let's check in with meteorologist Christy Gordon. We've got all sorts of warnings, Christy. That's right. It's been a busy week, that's for sure, and we're not even close to being done with it. As we uh, continue with another storm tomorrow, the big uh, issue will be the winds, as we talked about. So they'll start off as southeasterly and then switch to southwesterly. We will see sustained winds 40 to 60 kilometers an hour, but the gusts ranging up to 90 kilometers an hour. Now, earlier in the day, these will be southeasterly. That's not when we're expecting the gusts up to 90 kilometers an hour. We're talking more 70 uh, kilometers an hour. And it will be the areas sort of south of the Fraser River that will be hit hardest. So Tawasson over towards Delta, White Rock, Langley, Abbotsford, and then all around the outside of Vancouver Island. But then as we head towards sort of between 4 and 7 p.m. at night, that's when it's really going to get interesting. The gusts will switch to be more southwesterly, and that's when we could see it all across the lower mainland. And it will be right during the commute home and we're absolutely expecting power outages. So we're talking 80 to potentially 90 kilometers an hour. We'll be tracking that closely. Southwesterly is not sort of a Stanley Park scenario, certainly, but uh, when we get these stronger winds, that can be uh, quite um, uh, damaging, especially considering the ground is so saturated right now. We could be looking at some serious power, power outages with downed trees. All right. Snowfall warnings as well. Pine Pass and especially Rogers Pass, another 15 centimeters on top of the 25 they've seen already. Look at Rogers Pass, a parking lot right now. In fact, they've closed the highway down on both sides of it uh, because of avalanche control right now. So this is not the place to be heading, that's for sure. Uh, a couple of hours, they say check Drive BC for an update. And we also have an avalanche warning in placed by Avalanche Canada, basically for all of the mountains. And the reason is we've had a fairly dry uh, season right up until the end of November. And then we just had a ton of snow. And that new snow is having a really hard time bonding to that sort of top layer from the dry weather. And that's why they're concerned Saturday we could see a bit of a clearing. People will head out and we get some major problems. And then on top of it, the beaches are closed on the west coast of Vancouver Island near Tofino. Extreme wave hazard. And we're expecting it right through until Monday, and it's because of the winds and the series of storms that we're seeing. Uh, so uh, storm surge and waves could reach seven meters, so they're worried about flooding and dangerous conditions. Here's your forecast for tomorrow. So uh, we are going to see snow all across these northern regions down through the south. A lighter day for you tomorrow, but you're expecting strong winds up to 70 kilometers an hour as well, but the bulk of the winds will be along the coast. Again, later in the day will be the strongest, a bit of a break Saturday morning, and then we're right back into heavy rain Saturday night. I think all those blow-up Santas are in danger. <laughs> yes, exactly. Have to deflate. Okay, thanks very much, Christy.
A huge flap now in New Jersey this holiday season over some oddly positioned Christmas decorations. Take a look. When crews put up two giant wreaths and a Christmas tree at the entrance to the Holland Tunnel, they centered them over the lanes. But that left the tree over the N instead of the tree-shaped A. And the other wreath is over the U, making it the Holland Tunnel, or perhaps the Holland Tunnel. One commuter, of course, started a petition demanding the decorations be relocated. Budweiser got on board as well with this tweet saying, this is what our Newark brewery will look like until they move that tree. <laughs> the Port Authority has now launched an online poll asking the public to vote on what to do. Oh. Pretty fussy. <laughs> hey, uh, new this Christmas, Kentucky Fried Chicken Fire Logs. How about that? Available for a limited time online. KFC says the log is made of 100% recycled materials. It lasts about three hours, and it smells like the Colonel's patented no. 11 herbs <laughs> no, and spices. No, it doesn't. That is what KFC is telling us. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Goes, goes for just under 20 bucks. Very quickly before Squire, one of the highlights of the holiday season, and believe it or not, this is the 31st year. Go sailing on the mountain, over the hills and every... The thousands are joining thousands of people turning out for our annual Pan Pacific Christmas Wish Breakfast, broadcast live here on Global and on Rock 101. In return for donations of toys, cash, gift cards and bikes, people got a free breakfast and all kinds of entertainment. Everyone, thank you. It's been an amazing morning. Thanks to everyone who came by. And you, the toys, this is blowing my mind here. It absolutely is. Santa, what do you think of all these toys? It's absolutely incredible. We're getting more and more toys, more and more people. It's fantastic, and it's the perfect time of the year to be doing this. See, a lot of people wouldn't have thought that Paul Hasem is taller than you, Chris. It's a sh real sh It shocked me. <laughs> <Really>. <laughs> they are still adding things up, but it looks like we collected nearly 22 tons of toys oh. between four and 500 bikes and more than $26,000 in cash, debit, and checks. And, of course, our thanks to everyone who donated, the Pan Pacific, and all the volunteers who helped make it happen. There is a cast of thousands that bring that thing to life. Mm -hmm. Yes, standing ovation <laughs> for all of them. My head was out of the picture I saw there. It, it usually is in most pictures. <laughs> All right. Squire? Squire, what's Thank going on? you very much. We're going to talk about the Canucks first. You know, part of the reason the Canucks started so well in October was their goaltending was pretty good. For example, Anders Nilsson, normally the backup, began with a 3-0 record. But he's been 0-6 since then. Now, he hasn't been getting as many goals from his team recently, but he's got to be better. And tonight, Nilsson gets one of the NHL's best in Nashville. And he knows that it's important to hydrate before every game. Plastic coat hangers. Here we go. Well, let's see how Nelson does. Well, that's not very good. Ryan Hartman scoring there to make it 1-0. Uh, and then former Canuck Nick Bonino gets a shot at Nelson. And his shot also goes in. What up? 2-0 for Nashville. Nashville in the power play, but... The Predators get sloppy. Granlin, Jay Beagle, Jay Beagle, you old dog. That's his first as a Canuck with moves, short-handed moves, I might add. Beats Pekka Rinne. Of course, Beagle has a Stanley Cup ring from that win last year in Washington. 
2-1 after one period. Second period now. New West, Kyle Torres with the shot, tipped in by Kelly Yarncroft, and that made it 3-1, and they are after the second period. Well, when they announced the invitees for Canada's World Junior Hockey Team, one of the players not getting past the velvet rope was Canucks defenseman, make that Giants defenseman, maybe he'll be a Canucks defenseman one day, Bowen Byram. He's just 17 years old, but he will be a top 10, maybe even a top 5 pick in next year's NHL draft, which happens to be at Rogers Arena. But despite all of that, he did not get the invite. So now the slight becomes further fuel for him to improve even further on what has become a breakout year. Can the Giants change that on the white spot power play? Byram going to take it coast to coast on a backhand scores! Bowen Byram is not used to getting any bad news when it comes to his hockey career. He's been an elite player at every level, including with the Vancouver Giants, where he's one of the most talented, coveted defensemen in the Western Hockey League, even at age 17. But this past week, Byram found out he did not make the cut to make Canada's World Junior Team. A bitter disappointment, especially considering the tournament will be held in Vancouver. I wanted to be there. I, I thought I was ready to be there, but obviously um, uh, the decision was made and I wasn't. So it's, it's nothing I can do about it now. Uh, hopefully I, I will be there one day. I mean, I'm only 17. I'm still young, so I'm not too worried about it. You get a little adversity and, and it's all about how you respond. And, and for, for Bowen, the way he's going to respond is, is to prove him wrong and show him that, that he did deserve to be there and he's good enough to play. And, and uh, I think by doing that, uh, he's going to become a much better player. The fact Byram was even considered to make the team as a 17-year-old playing against world-class 19-year-olds tells you all you need to know about his talent level. He's expected to be taken in the top 10, maybe even top 5 overall at this year's NHL draft, also to be held in Vancouver. His thinking and his ability to sort of recognize the pace of the game and just some little subtle chips and bumps of pucks off the wall that create opportunities. Those are really the things that stand out to me. He is that new breed of hockey defenseman, a fantastic skater with high hockey IQ and poise beyond his years, on and off the ice. You know, he's maintained his focus, and, and his focus has been on the Vancouver Giants. It hasn't been on Bowen Byram or, or the NHL draft. It's been on, on the Giants, and he's become a leader for us. Every competitor, every athlete want, wants to be the best, and so do I. Um, I, I want to be the best player in my age group. I want to be the best player in the world. Very Delay Global Sports. Well, they don't hand out trophies in December in the NBA, but the Raptors have beaten the team that has won three of the last four NBA titles twice this season. And last night, the Raptors beat Golden State without Kawhi Leonard. And the Warriors had all their stars, and they were at home. But still, the Raptors won by 20, 113-93. After the game, Kevin Durant of the Warriors said, it's not right to consider the Raptors an up-and-coming team because they're for real right now. They got champions over there, Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard. Um, you got guys that played in big playoff games like Serge Ibaka and Kyle Lowry. Screen set by Ibaka. Kyle on the attack. Finds Ibaka. Slam dunk. The leaders of that team have been through some wars, so I wouldn't call them a young team or I won't say them beating us two times is going to give them extra confidence. They've been balling before that and, and they're going to be balling after they beat us, so I mean, they're not an up-and-coming team. They're here. That's right, just like us. We're balling after this show. 
You bet. You work, we you keep bet. on. Yes, we do. Because we're ballers. All right, let's check in with Andrew for a look ahead to Global News at 11. And Thanks, Sophie. An emergency meeting has been held tonight for parents of kids at Sexsmith Elementary School in Vancouver. Many parents concerned about safety after news a six-year-old girl was lured from school property and sexually assaulted. We'll have more on that story tonight. And the Salvation Army in Victoria scrambling to replace Christmas toy donations that were stolen. Police say on Tuesday night, thieves targeted a truck that was carrying 10 bags of toys. How you can help when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Sophie, Chris. All right, thank you, Ann. Well, we're all one step closer to buying a ticket to space. The latest test flight, next. But first, here's Kasia Badurka with five things to do this weekend. Kasia. Yep, we've got your returning old faves and some new events to add to the bill. We begin with a Vancouver tradition. Capilano Suspension Bridge Park has become one of the city's top attractions and the canyon lights have been dazzling visitors for years. Be amazed by the hundreds of thousands of lights throughout the park, making it a winter wonderland. Christmas is reaching new heights at the Canadian Museum of Flight in Langley. Aptly called Christmas is in the air, Santa's visiting the hangar for a meet and greet, there's a Christmas craft station and holiday games. Fridays on Front in New West is a popular summer affair, but tomorrow, the first ever holiday edition is on. The best of food trucks, they're coming out, and award-winning makers of local beer and wine. There's crafts, entertainment, a gift market, and pet photos with Santa. Watch the Carol ships sail by from Panorama Park in Deep Cove. What's more, you'll enjoy musical entertainment, roving performers, a blazing bonfire, and rumor has it, Santa may even stop by. Chances are you haven't knocked everyone off that list yet, and Make It Vancouver may have just what you're looking for. Something unique, local, and eclectic. That's at the PE Forum for the next few days. For more, go to globalnews.ca slash five things. Well, Virgin Galactic has now flown its first astronauts to the edge of space. Spaceship Unity. You have to say it like that. <laughs> Spaceship Unity took off early this morning, rocketing to the edge of our atmosphere and a lot closer to the dream of commercial space tourism. Takeoff from the Mojave Desert and Virgin Galactic Spaceship 2 was on its way, carried by its mothership. Release. Then, at 50,000 feet, release. Rolling to the right. In a sudden freefall, Virgin's two pilots fired their rocket, accelerating to nearly three times the speed of sound, within seconds climbing to 51.4 miles beyond what the FAA calls the edge of space. Spaceship Unity, welcome to space. Chaffee Pace, million-dollar view. A stunning view that future space tourists may enjoy. Then a perfect landing back on Earth, where Virgin's Richard Branson promised the first of 700 customers who paid a quarter million dollars could start flying in six months. I can't think of any experience that anyone's going to have in their life that will be more wonderful, extreme, than going to space. Branson's not alone. Fellow billionaires Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk are also in the space tourism business as a new space race takes off. Tom Costello, NBC News. Amazing. Gotta save up for that one. <laughs> <laughs> You'll how be many, saving for a while. Yeah. <laughs> how many points would you need on your yeah. air miles to get on that? You'd need all of the air miles together from all of the cards in the world. Thanks again to everybody who came out to the Christmas Wish Breakfast. That was amazing. Try to stay dry, everyone. Have a good night. <laughs>